Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to The Life Autistic. This is Ryan Summers. I appreciate you coming in and listening. Um, just a little brief uh, housekeeping. It's been eight months since the last episode. So obviously that's a kind of a long time. Uh, a lot's gone on in the world, um, you know, for everybody and for me personally. Um, I took a little break. The last episode was in November. Uh, I took a little break off just with the Christmas madness going on and then uh, wanted to start again in the new year and then you know we all have seen what this year has turned into but uh, anyway I wanted to get back into it um, looking at making this uh, a weekly thing again or or I don't know if it ever was weekly but I'm looking at making this a weekly podcast um, planning right now to record and post a new episode every Monday um, you also might notice I've changed the name um, I was originally calling it Aspie Tribe and uh, I've changed that name, um, decided to just call it The Life Autistic. A um, lot of people have different opinions about the the word Asperger's or Aspie or what those words mean. And, you know, uh, whether you're in Canada or the States or, or England or Australia or, or other parts of the world, uh, there's there are many different opinions about these different words and what they mean and... and, and you know, functioning labels and the history of, of Asperger himself and all these other things. And, and I just wanted to, um, step out of, of, of those, uh, opinions and just to focus on what I want to do, which is simply present, uh, long form conversations with autistic adults and talk about our shared experiences. And that's what I want this podcast to be about. So I just decided to, um, you know, change the name, no more Aspie tribe, just to get out of that conversation and just like again it's now it's just the life autistic um which i think has a has a good ring to it and it's just what it's about it's just autistic people and and our lives and just talking about living our lives so anyway this is back episode 12 um the first of what i hope will be many more to come and today i spoke with a gentleman named bruce uh, petherick who lives in calgary alberta canada um, he was diagnosed just uh, maybe four or five years ago with autism um, uh, in his uh, early 50s, I believe he said. And we just chatted about some different things and different experiences and, and his life and and, uh, and everything else. So it was a really cool conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking with him. I first encountered him uh, last year on a, a CBC um, video where they... Uh, had people submit questions and they and they um, filmed a bunch of different autistic people answering these questions and it was a cool video and uh uh anyway he's a cool guy and i really appreciate him taking the time and i appreciate you listening so as always uh please follow on uh all the socials the the instagram the twitter the the facebook uh everything has been renamed it's the life autistic um, and so you can find those everywhere and please, uh, do share this podcast. If you enjoy it, um, it really means a lot if you can share it on your social media to your friends and family. And also, uh, if you can, 
um, you know, do a review or a rating and all that stuff on whatever podcast app you're listening to. This is on, uh, I, I believe, every podcast app pretty much. You can find it. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy. And as always, if you want have any questions or any topics you want me to cover please do uh contact me via any of the social medias whether it's twitter instagram facebook at the life autistic just uh, reach out and if you are an adult um living with autism and you would be interested in being featured on the podcast uh, for our, uh, a conversation i would very much love to speak with you so again just reach out in any of those ways And once again, uh, it's Ryan Summers, and thank you for listening. I appreciate you, and um, here we go. So we'll catch you next time. Please enjoy this conversation. Peace, love, autism. Okay, I'm recording. Here we are. Um, So this is episode, um, I don't even know, 9, 10, 11, somewhere in there. Uh, it's been about six months since I recorded the last one, so um, thank you, Bruce. I'm here with with Bruce. How do I pronounce your last name? Oh, it's Cornish, and I normally say it, it, it. It's pronounced as it looks, but that's a little confusing. So Petherick. Petherick. Right on. Um, so yeah, we uh I first encountered you in that CBC video. Um mm-hmm. things you can't say that. Yes, yes, the, the questions and, and it was it was um such a cool video for me to see. This is about a year ago and I was just maybe 4 4 months or so into my own discovery about being autistic. Uh, at the age of 43 and just uh, researching and reading and looking at things online and then starting this podcast to kind of document the experience and the journey. And then I saw that video and something you said to me just struck with me about you just said how you tick all the boxes. And I felt I felt very... uh, much like that, like in all the research I was doing, all the checklists I was reading, all the testing online, I was like, I'm just ticking all the boxes, but I feel like I'm maybe not ticking them really high. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I'm sort of like I'm ticking all the boxes for being autistic, but maybe not at a level where anyone would have ever noticed. (laughs) That's the spectrum part, isn't it? Yes. That's one of the things we need to, to keep telling people, but it doesn't mean... Spectrum doesn't mean you're a little bit autistic going to a lot autistic. It means all the characteristics present in so many different levels. And, and you know, very often, like I, I don't, um, the one box I usually don't tick is um, clumsiness. Okay. I, I, I play professional soccer. Oh, wow. But, you know, you can't be clumsy and be a professional athlete. But I can't do um, simple home repair. Yeah. I will, I will, if I try and screw a light bulb in, I'll smash the light bulb. Oh my goodness. Huh. Yeah, and it's just, and it's, there is those little clumsy things like that, which obviously present, you know, on my spectrum profile, present relatively low, but it's still there. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, 
Yeah, it's funny because I have the I definitely have the clumsy thing, like the whole like dyspraxia thing, where I'm constantly knocking stuff over and bumping into things. And the same doorway I've walked through every day twenty times, I still sometimes I'm catching my shoulder on it, and I'm like, why don't I understand? Why don't I understand where my body is in this space? Uh, you know, and I I get um, I've had so many um, let's say discussions with my partner about leaving things around the house that in along pathways because I will trip and fall and she's like well don't you see it I'm like yeah I see it but I don't I see that it's there but it's like it's I somehow I'm not used to it being there so even though I'm see it I'm aware of it my body doesn't really I just I, I still find a way to trip on it and I just had to tell her at some point like just pretend you live with a blind person <laughs> But um, anyway, I just, I don't know. There's something about that video. I, I ended up just finding you on Instagram or something I in your name. And I was like, i just curious about this guy and, and all the other people in the video. It was just, so can you tell me a little bit about maybe like your own um, uh, life? In, like, uh, were you diagnosed as a child or later in life or just how, how that all came about for you? No, actually, I was I was only diagnosed um, probably four years ago now. Okay, uh, which would be in my early fifties at wow. that stage. Um, but it, as with a lot of adults who get diagnosed later, once you get the diagnosis and you sort of get used to well, this is what well, yeah, this is what's happening. Yeah. Um, a whole bunch of stuff in my life starts making sense. Yeah. Um, it was it was a very freeing, it was really really freeing thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so much so that I've turned into it. I've turned quite. Advocacy is a big thing for me now. Yeah. In fact, my job is a musician, and my second job is being an advocate for autistic rights. Yeah. All, all the normalization of autistic people in society. Yeah. Um, so it was a, it was a, it was a wonderful experience for me. Um, mm. But I also have to say, after talking to a whole bunch of other people, um, I had a very supportive partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and my two kids are also neurodiverse, so it was kind of a nice little jigsaw puzzle we all put together that's, around the same time hmm. that's very cool how long have you and your partner been together may i ask yes um we have been together coming up close to six years now okay very cool yeah and, and what like so wow i mean getting a diagnosis in your early 50s what how can you describe um your life and 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 some of the challenges you might have faced throughout your life and what led you ultimately to um like did someone else say hey you're autistic or did you start to read and research and find out yourself or or, or how did you what were the signs that let that uh, drew you there um unfortunately well fortunately or unfortunately um it's big bang theory oh <laughs> um um my 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 wife and I watched Big Bang Theory almost every single night 
Yeah. Because I hadn't watched it and there was many seasons for me to catch up on. It became a great activity for her to follow. So just so much of Sheldon's personality was very reflective of, of my personality. Um, and that prompted some research. So I started, um, I read the book Neurotribes. Okay. And again, that was like, wow, there's a lot of things that feel very similar and very comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a bit more research, and, and I think that's where I started to realize I tick the boxes. You, you do the, the online ones, you go, yeah, yeah. And for me, when I was doing some of the online tests, recognizing they weren't, you know, it's no psychologist or a, a trained professional giving these tests, but a lot of the questions were, I didn't have to think about it. Yeah. It wasn't close. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, the reason I, there was two reasons I got formally diagnosed. Um, one was my relationship with my wife was getting a little rocky in certain areas. Now, she's a social worker, mm-hmm. um, and a really, really, really good social worker, and has worked with, um, in fact, spent I think a year or two working with autistic kids in a group home and. Um, she kept on saying she didn't want to bring her work home with her and yeah. felt that my behaviors were making her become a social worker at home, which was oh. like a little confusing for me. Mm. Um, so that one thing. And the other thing, there was some problems um, up until quite recently, I was working at a church, like a quite a well-known church in Calgary, a, a big one. And I got called into the, the boss's office and, and basically said a lot of people are having troubles with your behaviors. And this is something that had never been talked to me before. And I mm. thought, hang on a minute, the things they're complaining about sound very much like an autistic person. Huh. So because of those two things, it was like, okay, um, let's, let's, let's find a, a therapist or let's find a psychologist. And coincidentally, my kids, um, uh, psychologist said, oh yeah, I can do adult diagnosis. I've got training in, in, in autism and adult autism. And I went, okay, I trust you. Yeah. So did the, um, did the test and a couple of weeks later got the diagnosis. Oh, wow. So was that, a, was that, that doesn't, so that doesn't sound like a very long process from, from, Actually, it wasn't. Um, I think the testing was in early December. Yeah. So this is probably four or five years ago. And then um, the results were in in early January. Wow. Okay. It was a little nerve-wracking, I must admit. Yeah. Because um, I think one of the worst things one could do is think one is autistic and then get a negative diagnosis (laughs) because then you sometimes just like like a jerk (laughs) yeah yeah it's funny because i'm i'm in that um um process now i've got a, a, a appointment set up for august to begin the the you know diagnosis process 
Um, I had originally had that appointment scheduled for March, but we all know what happened there. So, um, but yeah, it is kind of this thing where for me, I, I, um, when I started really getting into this maybe 18 months ago and I, you know, you go online and do all the tests and you do the, the AQ test and, you know, I think I scored 45 out of 50 on that test and they say 33 and up is, is likely autism. So then I went, well, I wonder, let me check this out. So I got three of my friends to take the test and they all scored about a 20. So I went, okay, there's something here. And then I, you know, did some more of them online and, and, uh, you know, but, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about like, to me, I, I, I'm part of doing this podcast is like, I'm trying to sort of understand the process of going from, Hey, I think I might be autistic to research of, Hey, I think I'm pretty sure I'm autistic to testing and going, Holy crap. Yep. I'm autistic to then going to get an official, uh, you know, official diagnosis, uh, and, and that whole process and what it's like and what it's like for people and the challenges people face. And, and, um, it's, uh, have you like, how has it been for you with your family? Like you say, your, your, what your, your, your wife is, is, is supportive like what about other other family friends co-workers like like at work for instance once you came back and said hey look i'm here it is i'm autistic like this is going to explain some of these behaviors or some of these issues we're having like have you found people supportive in general or um that's a that's a interesting two-part question right now um (laughs) okay when I first was diagnosed, I, I told, I'm um, originally from Australia. I've been living in Canada now for almost 20 years. I am Canadian, but still have some friends back in Australia. Yeah. And most, like 95% of the responses I got from people in Australia when they said that, they went, well, yes, of course. Ah. <laughs> and so, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> maybe you should have told me that maybe 20 years ago, but okay. Yeah. Um, and I also work in the school system here, and the school system has been absolutely fantastic. Like, there's absolutely there's been no negative things about that. Wow. In fact, um, in the Catholic board system where I, where I work, as far as they know, I'm the only like out autistic teacher. Okay. And so for at least at the high school level and and so that means that a lot of students uh, i get mentoring sorry mentor i mentor a lot of students yes autistic students or um sometimes kids with other neurodiverse um uh, issues yeah because it's like like oh suddenly there's an adult with autism i can talk to and and like he's a teacher yeah you know he doesn't have Green, you know, green arms coming out of his head or anything. <laughs> I mean, so that's been absolutely, that's been great. Yeah. Um, however, my previous employment, the, the church I used to work at, I've just been terminated, most probably because of autistic characteristics and the fact that there's a number of people there who did not want to adapt or could not accept. Um, autistic behaviors oh wow i'm having a challenge about whether i need to challenge this through human rights or it's a pretty um and this is only well it's been almost a month now but it was very devastating and it was kind of interesting because 
the last four or five years, uh, um, telling people about autism has been almost universally a positive experience, mm-hmm. and this is the first big negative one. Yeah, for me. Wow. Are you um, able to talk about some of those behaviors that people had a problem with or reacted to negatively? Like some examples. Well, yeah, I can. I can. I can make them in a general and, and yeah, not to mention. Yeah, like I, Yeah, if you don't want to get um, specific, like obviously, yeah, don't mention names or anything. Just so in in general, hypothetically. <laughs> hypothetically, um, a lot of people were very put off that I wasn't looking at them okay all the time yeah um, they found it very difficult to read my body language and were upset when I couldn't I couldn't work out their easy assumptions about their social social things yeah um, um, some members of the congregation, found me distant and difficult to approach. Um, and of course, what they were doing was not approaching me at all because I didn't show the uh, neurotypical behaviors. Yes. Um, I would have been happy with people to come and talk to me. Yeah. So it was it was things like that. Um, and I've presented a couple of times on Sundays about what it means to be autistic and that seemed to have opened. But there's still some people that are just like... Yeah, you know, you're not looking at me, yeah. and I find that really off-putting. Yeah. Or um, I don't understand why you're doing this. Um, I use electronic devices to do some do a lot of communication when things yeah. are stressful. Yeah. Um, and people were saying, people were saying, oh, you're always on your iPad, and it's like, well, I'm actually paying attention to what you're doing as well, but. This is the way I have to communicate when there's a lot of people in the room and I, I'm not in safe space. Yeah. Huh. That's really interesting. Or sad. What's that? Or sad. Yeah, it is sad. I mean, it is, and it, it just makes me think about how important this, um, the education side of this is for, for us, right? Because, you know, like you know um yeah because this is the kind of stuff like when we try to have jobs or whatever else and and these communication things happen like i've been at work where i'm talking to my boss and all of a sudden his facial expression changes and i have to stop and say what does that mean (laughs) like your face just changed and he's like what are you what are you crazy and i'm like well no your face expression just changed but i don't know what it means so i need you to explain it in words because someone else like a neurotypical employee might just read your face and understand your mood based on the topic and then know what to do but i'm like but i don't have that so you know or or other times like i've talked to a coworker and their their tone of voice suddenly changes and i have to stop and go what did that mean <laughs> and and then i feel like a crazy person for having to bring this up and they look at me like i'm nuts but i'm like but if i don't ask then I don't know, and then you're going to assume I do know, and then I'm going to not do the thing I'm supposed to do that you thought you communicated with a tone of voice, but I didn't understand it, you know? So it's like these are the kinds of things that are important. Yeah, and I'm glad that you're having these conversations with your workmates because 
um, trying to trying to normalize our experience. Mm -hmm. In other words, the expectation that a a social cue can be picked up by 100% of the people is just not right. And and I've just had a chat with my daughter, who's 14. In fact, we we just um, we just set up a we was just recording a podcast for Autism Canada. Um, okay. And so she has ADHD and generalized anxiety disorder. And it's kind of interesting that she also says she thinks she's crazy yeah. when she asks questions, just in the same way you said it. And it's like, no, yeah. sweetie, you're not crazy. It's the people are just assuming that everybody understands what they're doing, and and they yeah. don't. Yeah. Well, that's just it. And it's, it's gets, I mean, it's, it's such a, it gets to be a challenging thing because like there are times when I'll have to ask that question, what does that mean or whatever, but more times than not, I don't ask the question and then I just try to figure it out because if I asked every time I didn't know what was happening that would be half my day. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I just let it go. And then sometimes things come back and it's like, oh, you did the wrong thing. And why didn't you understand? And didn't I tell you that? And I'm like, well, yeah, um, I guess I just, maybe I didn't know I didn't understand or something, you know, but it's, it's difficult to figure this out. I'm lucky in in a sense where I work, I I work with a lot of younger people and I found them to be uh, very open in a lot of ways. Yeah, to these conversations, I, which is cool. I, I am, I am very proud of my kids. I'm very proud of my students. Yeah, who generally are so much more accepting of differences. Yeah, so much more. Um, my my eldest son, who doesn't live in the lives with his mother in British Columbia. Yeah, he he told us he was gay. At, like eight, seven or eight. And and to me it was like, okay. And to his mother, okay, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But he was like thirteen or fourteen and he said, I want um he was born female and he said, I, I want to be treated like a man I'm like male. Yeah. And I went, Okay. And I said, you know what? This one's a little harder for me just because I haven't had that much experience with trans people. Yeah. And he said, Okay, that's fine. But just as a random sampling he when he was like four and five he was in a ballet class with four other girls yeah okay and every girl at six is doing ballet classes great four, four, four kids three of them have transitioned oh wow and it's I, I, okay it's a it's a very small sample but it's like mm-hmm. for 40 years i knew two trans people yeah and, and now it's suddenly like I have a son, and then all these kids, all these kids, are, you know, his ballet class. There are um, there are two trans kids at one of my schools. Yeah. Um. The, and the best the students are just whatever. Fine. They were you know Jane one day, they're now Stephen. That's fine. Yeah. Um. It, it's still a challenge for me because it's things like because uh, I teach music and, and music theater it's like well what voice part do I put in 
a trans woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Change. Yeah. And it, and it's also it's like it's it's a, it, you know it's that's a it's a slightly careful conversation you yeah. have to have. It is. Where I have to go through the steps, just like you know, thinking about social cues and things. But almost all the students are like, oh yeah, that's just fine. One day they're they're male, next day they're female, and next day it, it's gender neutral. And okay, whatever. Yeah, like, that's great. Yeah. Do you find and and you find in in your school environment like are, are there, there are autistic kids there and and how is the acceptance go for them? Um, there are uh, now. I teach in two um, senior highs, so um, most of the kids are a little more mature. And yeah. um, but there's two. One kid at one school, one kid at another school were just diagnosed around the same time as I was. Like, yeah. I think one in grade nine, one in grade ten. And that's been great because we can talk about it. Not often in public because both of them haven't. I think most kids know they're coded. Uh, you know what coding means in a school system? No. Uh, this may be an Alberta thing, so I just sort of, sort of say so. Um, when you have a kid that's coded, um, there's a you know, like 600 different codes, and it just no. tells the school what um, what either ad, uh, academic advantages or disadvantages they have. Okay. So yeah. it could be autism, it could be ADHD, it could be anxiety, it could also be yeah. gifted, it could be non-communicative. They all have a separate code. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so yeah. and the thing with coding is that you're supposed to not tell other students that another student is coded. Okay. For, 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 for privacy, and yeah. things, which is completely fair. Yeah. Um, and so both of these kids that I'm, I'm talking about are coded, and the, the staff know about it, but I'm not too sure every student does. So often your conversations yeah. are a little sometimes off in a corner or something. Yeah. Um, but that's been great because they're they're coming to talk to me about what happens when this happens and this is really weird. And, it, and very often we'll just have we'll have kind of complaint sessions about neurotypicals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, slightly tongue-in-cheek, but it also allows them to sort of go, you know, neurotypical behavior is sometimes so confusing and so difficult. And yeah. Oh, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. It is, yeah. I, 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 like, I like that. Uh, I found, like, for me last year when I first... Um, came to this place and had that moment of, okay, I'm, I'm autistic. Wow. Here we are. And then, uh, a, uh, an old friend of mine told me about a, a, a support group in, in London, like an hour from where I live yeah. for, uh, a, adults, autistic adults. And I went to this support group and I remember the first, the first time I went and just sitting in that room and it was almost overwhelming. Cause I, it was like. I describe it as if imagine being like seven feet tall and everyone else in the world is five feet tall and you've never seen another tall person your whole life. And then all of a sudden you walk into a room and there's 12 people in the room that are all seven feet tall and you just yeah. go, 
oh shit, you guys all know what it's like to bump your head in the doorways and 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 all this kind of stuff. And it's like it felt like that. It was all of a sudden like, oh okay, like kind of home. Uh, and then I think there is a little bit of that sort of tongue in cheek that you can just kind of relax and 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 uh, you know. Um, <laughs> Have a little fun at the NT's expense. <laughs> because they certainly, they certainly take fun at our expense. Yeah, no, absolutely, you know. And it's funny, like, the, the you know, talking about the, the communication thing. Like, I was talking to someone else about this today and how, actually, my, I, I, go, I go see a, a counselor every other week and really great guy that's helping me work on some stuff and, I was talking to him about, you know, communicating with neurotypical people. And there's the whole thing of like, um, you know, when people just don't say what they really mean. Mm-hmm. And then I find there are times when I'll say something and then they'll think I'm doing that. So then they think I mean something else. And I'm like, well, no, I didn't. I meant the, I chose those words because those are the words that actually mean what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to hint at something or beat around the bush or do a double meaning it's just it's it's it is kind of frustrating and it's like i don't know it's just one of those things i notice sometimes no no i i, I completely agree in fact um most of my professional life i've been well known for being honest with my criticism yeah and i i'm if you don't ask me, you know, first, what do you think about this? I say, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, and I, I'm going to take it. I'm not going to be like, cruel. Yeah. Um, so quite often people come to me for, um, you know, criticism of a piece of music or how they're playing or composition or something. And, and I've been kind of well known for saying Bruce is not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but you have to warn people that it's like I'm not going to code anything for them yeah and and then in a, as a teacher it has been observed that I am negative mm-hmm. that I rarely give positive criticism and it's because if I'm not criticizing you you're doing 100% or you're doing well yeah and but it's you know I, I I understand that that's my mindset. So people, you know, I get a general mind from people I co-teach with, and, and things just like okay, you, you just just remember you have to do some positive. It's like okay, good, yes, yeah. I will try. <laughs> I'll try to squeeze that in. Yeah, yeah. But but the and and this is the thing that I think. This is what happened at the at the church recently, is that people were coding their language all over the place and I had no concept of that was going on. Yeah. 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 And, and it was like, honesty would have been so much easier on everybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, that's, that's. I mean, yeah, that sounds really difficult and, and unfortunate. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man, I hope, uh, really, I hope, uh, Oh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> it sounds rough. <laughs> and, and I've spent most of my, I've spent all of my life not doing nine to five jobs. My yeah, first, like two years, right? I did a nine to five job. All my time, I've been, I would have, I'd be conducting something, I'd do music directing somewhere else, I'd be writing, I'd be playing, and there's always like six or seven different things. So. Yeah. 
I've lost small jobs before, probably for autistic reasons, yeah. which now I would know is unfair. Yeah. Um, I think the only problem I have right now is because of COVID, I've got no job prospects for the sh- for the short term. Okay, yeah. And it's like, you know what? A whole bunch of people are in the world and have no job prospects because of COVID, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what what um what kind of um advocacy advocacy work have you been doing and and, and what led you to that? Um, so I do some volunteer work with Autism Canada. Um I'm, I've been writing for their newsletter as yeah. one of the ambassadors. Um one of the biggest advocacies that I do is basically every time I walk in somewhere I tell people I'm autistic and start talking about that as positive and negative things. Yeah. So um, every start of the school year, uh, in my first class in music theatre, that's one of the things I start talking about, mainly because it allows the kids to sort of go, if he's acting weird, I can talk to him about what's going on rather than he's weird and hands off. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other, the other, so, so, so the personal advocacy and, and I do a lot of, um, that sense of being a mentor or just being a, an example yeah. of being very out as autistic and talking about it as basically a positive thing and how, um, I have molded my career to handle the autism. Okay which is an interesting thing looking backwards. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, you know, from a work perspective, I'm pretty good. Like yeah. I, you know, this is a bit of a bump right now, but I've been a professional musician for 35 years. And that's that's <laughs> impressive. People that say that. Yeah. Yeah, that's not um, easy to do. I, I'm still trying to... Um, <laughs> I'm 44. I'm still trying to figure out a way to um, make my life... Uh, a little more autistic friendly. <laughs> and, 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 you know, this is the thing that if I'd been diagnosed at 12, probably my life wouldn't be different. But it's certainly looking back, almost everything I've done in my career has been to step away from the regular uh, routine and being always giving myself a way of getting out of something. Yeah. Um, like if I'm playing in a band or, or or something, I'm as long as I'm behind my piano, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, but I also conduct symphony orchestras and conduct, you know, conduct on the West End of London mm-hmm. music theatre. And being in front of the orchestra and having two thousand people behind you doesn't worry me. It's yeah. those in between things that terrify me. Yeah. Like what? Being in a group. Okay. Well, being in a group of 20 people trying to have a social chit chat yeah i hate opening night of a show oh, okay doing the show and then going to meet all the, the benefactors and the people yes. who donate the money because yes. it's like uh, very 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 uncomfortable huh. um i have not as i said i've been doing professional music for 35 years yeah perform around the world and i just saw my first major professional production 
once. I've been in, I've seen three concerts in my life, and I've been to one Broadway show. Wow! Because the rest of it would just scare me too much. Yeah. And even the, the Broadway show, they were we, we uh, was for my wife and my honeymoon last year. Um, we got tickets right at the back of the theater, which of course. You know, most people don't want the back of the theatre. Yeah. We asked the, the usher if if I could sit the end, just if I have to leave, I'm in the middle, I can leave without observing anybody. And yeah. it was just, it was a really wonderful experience. Yeah. But I knew where the escape routes were. I yeah. knew where I could go to go safe, to be safe. Yeah. It's amazing you say that because I'm, like, I, I um, do music as well. And many years ago, I, you know, put out a, a few albums and, and, and did a lot of touring. And it's funny because that, I mean, I I could have said the exact same thing. Like, I, I've been on stage in front of 500 people and I'm completely comfortable. Yeah. I'm, I'm at ease there. It's like where I feel most at home for some reason. But yeah, talking to 20 people in a, at a party, I've literally climbed off a balcony in a party of 20 people to avoid walking back through to get to the door to leave because I've had a, an, like a panic attack. You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. I've, I've like climbed down a balcony because I can't face walking through 20 people to leave this place yet. I give me a microphone in my hand and put me on stage in front of 500 and I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. <laughs> so I, I don't know it's funny to try to understand what that what that is, you know, or just even making small talk with a stranger. I'm fucking clueless, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, For me, it's like it's the acknowledgement of. Well, look, quite brutally, it's when I'm in control. Yes. Yes. So, so if I'm playing in a in a you know, jazz group or something, uh, and I'm playing piano in that jazz group, I'm in the corner. And my sense of control is being in the control in the corner behind the piano, not having to interact with people. Particularly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, running a music theater rehearsal at the professional level is you know, hundred people that you you know if focuses on you. Yeah. I'm in control. Or, uh, you know, if as a music director I'm doing, and the director needs to do something, I can secede the control, but I know. There's the director and there's the music director and the mm -hmm. stage manager. I know those, and everybody else is like underneath that. That yeah. having that control is really important. Yeah, but being in control, not having the control. Yeah, being control. yeah, being in control. Yeah, that's funny too. You talked about like knowing where the exits are, and it's like <laughs> I feel like everywhere I go, I like scan the room, know where the exits are. I used to for years. I smoked. I don't anymore. But for years, I smoked. And I realized that part of the reason I smoked was that in social situations, it gave me an excuse to leave. Because if, if I suddenly felt awkward, I could say, oh, I'm going to go out for a cigarette. Then I could leave and I'd go outside and be having a cigarette. And if that situation was awkward, I could put my cigarette out and leave. And I would sometimes spend an entire social gathering just going back and forth from coming in and out to smoke and not smoke and having these little mini conversations and then and then leaving them before they before they were too much you know and everybody's like oh yeah, yeah you were at that party and thinking i was having the same experience that everyone else was but it was a very a very autistic experience i was having at that party <laughs> and 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 doing my best to hide it yeah i i quite happily tell people that i i just fade into the shadows yeah i was like 
sometimes I won't slip by. I'll just... Yeah. It's too much. I have to go. Yeah. Just climb down the balcony. <laughs> I've never done that. That's, that's pretty impressive. Congratulations. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so do you, do, you, do you, like, look back on your on your life and, and, and see any sort of clear memories of, of experiences that you just go, Oh yeah. Autism. <laughs> yep. Things like that. Or, um, yeah. Emo- uh, 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 um, relationship breakups. Yeah. Um, both uh, um, romantic and professional. Yeah. Um, I was married for 20 odd years. Yeah. And, and Again, I don't want to just speak ill of my ex-wife, but um, there was a lot of things going wrong in that relationship because I couldn't understand her needs and wants and what happens around that. Yeah. Um, And professionally, I've had some really quite toxic relationships, actually. Uh, Things that you think are really super successful. Yeah. Um, and then, kind of, once you get out of it, looking at looking at back at it through an autistic prism, yeah, it's like, oh, I, I was I was pretty, you know, used and abused in that. Um, yeah, that's the negative aspect. Yeah, um, I think a lot of the positive things is that building up that sense of um being able to become in control and not be egotistical about it. Uh, yeah. That's the one, you know, conductors are famous for being super egoists. And I really, I have a very healthy performer's ego. I'm yeah. quite comfortable with that. But I don't have a personality ego. Yes, okay. Um, and I think whether that's an autistic trait or not, I'm not too sure, but mm-hmm. certainly how I've manipulated or how I've worked out how to handle things to comfort me, which I now see as autistic, um, without really annoying other people. Yeah. Yeah. In a power, in a power sense anyway. Yeah. That's one thing like I've, I'm kind of, I mean, this is newer for me, but I'm one thing I'm, I'm kind of, um, trying to understand or come to terms with or or just accept without feeling negative about is the number of times in my life that I've been uh taken advantage of or used or 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 sort of screwed over or abused in different kind of work or business situations where I've just been naive and trusting and people have basically just worked me for nothing or even straight up just stolen ideas from me and stolen my my intellectual work i've created um like entire concepts for businesses and 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 right down to the branding and marketing strategy and and color scheme and all this and then had people i thought were my best friends just steal it all from me and and then sick a lawyer on me to prevent me from doing anything and it's like i've had some of these experiences and they've been really awful and then i i've kind of in in learning about uh, you know common experiences with with autistic people found that this is apparently pretty common uh uh in a lot of business relationships where we're not 
for whatever reason, I've not been able to navigate the game of work where everybody's kind of working the angles and trying to move themselves up the ladder and at your expense. And I'm just actually saying and being honest and telling people what's happening and revealing too much and and sometimes then find out oh i just got fired because this guy's been working for three months to like paint me in a bad light to the boss and you know stuff like that and i'm 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 getting to a point where i'm not i'm not bitter about it i'm just kind of accepting and, and trying to learn how to change that um <laughs> or or how to protect myself better i don't know if that's even possible but you know but uh that, that's a that sense of this last experience of the church has really destroyed trust yeah. for me. Yeah. And trust is such an important I think because we tend to not have great ability to decode social cueing and social norms, um, like I trust my wife implicitly and yeah. so and there's been People professionally are trusted implicitly, and, and you know that's been reflected in a good way. Yeah. So very often I'll, I'll ask them, "Look, can you help me? I need support here, here, here. Can you just tell me what's going on here? Is this the right thing? Is this the bad? Is this the wrong thing?" Yeah. Um, but it means when I lose that trust, it's it's a that's a long hole to fall down. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I found. And I'm not, Sorry, no, no, just, right. just to finish that, it's like I have no idea how to get over that aspect because, yeah. in one respect, this is the bad thing about being like kind of so late is that I don't think I've got time to learn such a cues. Yeah, in, in the in the level that would be useful in a situation that you're talking about. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, okay. I I, I find it. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I feel somewhat similar sometimes. It's like I'm 44 now, and I'm like, is, am I ever going to learn that? I don't know. And I, I even find at work, I mean, I, I'm pretty lucky now. I work at a place that I, I, I'm happy with. I feel like I'm valued and I'm liked and and all that. I'm I'm open about being autistic at my work, which is which which to me is huge because then I'm able to have some some of these conversations sometimes. Um, but at the same time, I do feel like I, I still don't know how to advocate for myself or how to um, inf- create and enforce healthy boundaries around myself. And I sometimes will, I'll still end up working like 80 hours if somebody asks me to, because I don't know how to say no without feeling like I'm creating some kind of confrontation that I don't know how to handle, <laughs> you know, like something like that yeah, can happen. That that sounds like something coaching or um, having something going in the workplace to, to help with these things could be useful. Yeah. I was actually, we were trying to get that done at the church. Yeah. Um, because, you know, in, in one respect, it's a bad situation and I won't go back. Yeah. But still fighting for that to happen because there's going to be another neurodiverse person there and there is can't be taken. There ha- there's going to be oh there's going to be yes sorry yeah, yeah there's yeah. going to be there's going to be somebody with with, yeah. with um you know not being able to read social cues or communication problems or a whole bunch of different things it's yeah like, 
that should not be a barrier, especially at a liberal church, yeah. to allow them to be a staff member. Yeah. Um, and you know, at, at schools, every high school, every senior high school I've, I've, I've taught at has several counsellors and people are looking for, because there's so many, especially there's so many kids, yeah. coded kids at schools, so many. Yeah. Like, frightening. Yeah. Um, how many kids have got anxiety? It's unbelievable. And, and well, and 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 then you know, again, the advantage of being diverse is like I can have great sympathy in one level and confusion in another. But it's also the it makes teachers, anybody in the education system, have to be not just doing something one way. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've got so many kids who can't handle that. Yeah. Huh. And it seems like I mean, with with the the numbers going up, right? Whether the diagnosis numbers going up and whether that means a, an actual rise in autism and other neurodiverse conditions or just a rise in um the diagnosis numbers going up. It's it's like you know, but there's certainly more and more. So, you know, I think, you know, I, I don't know what that's like. I don't have a kid that age. My little girl is, is four. So, you know, it'll be another 10 years or another, well, another five years at least till she's in school and we're having these conversations. But, yeah, but, um, Again, look, it's, it's, I come back to when we talk, people talk about, well, this are epidemic of autism. It's like, no. No, there, there really isn't. There's, the, the numbers are going to be similar. They have been similar for, you know, forever. Yeah. But I'll always use the same example of trans kids, is that when I was at school, uh, when I was at school in the 70s in Australia, coming out as gay was, was pretty dangerous and brave. But yeah. I think my generation... It was becoming easier and easier and easier and more yeah. accepting. Yeah. But I, I had no nobody I ever knew um, was discussing swapping genders or changing genders. Yeah. Now when you look at the number of kids who are um, expressing themselves in that way, nothing's changed. It just means that when I was at school, there was maybe five percent of the kids were uncomfortable in their gender, and they've just had to live with it. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's that's terrible. Yeah. You know, at least we're accepting. I, I don't think there's more. I think this is there's more people being diagnosed. There's more yeah. females being diagnosed. Yes. For for the reasons, so we actually have we have good numbers. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a thing about the rise of neurodiversity. Yeah. Is also seeing how many kids have ADHD and and, and anxiety. Yeah. Um, and dyslexia, and so saying, you know, this is this is actually a normality. We have to. Yeah. Think about this as something of abnormalcy rather than being, being something that's different and strange. Yeah. What do you like? Can you talk about a little bit about the the word neurodiversity and what it means in in general and to you? Mm-hmm. Um. For me, neurodiversity is the idea that there are people with differences from the the normal, the average, average person. Mm-hmm. Um, and those differences have a lot of 
positive things and a lot of negative things. Yeah. So because I live with two kids with ADHD, uh, what I see with them is that they can multitask at a level that is frightening to me. Yeah. Um, and so my, my daughter Kaylee can be at school. She could be in a science class and she's drawing a picture. And the science teacher will say, you know, stop drawing, you're not paying attention. And then she'll just tell them what they've said for the last five minutes. She's been listening to the teachers speak. Yeah. She's been drawing and probably doing something else all at a very high level. Wow. Now, I can't, task switching is very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. But from an autistic perspective, I can, I can hyper-focus. Yeah. And so, and, and for me, it's, you know, you know, I'll forget to eat because I'm yeah. downstairs. I'm in my studio right now. Yeah. In, in our basement. I can quite happily work on a piece of music for 10 hours. Yeah. I'm the same. If I'm writing, I, I, I can just sit there with a cup of coffee and a bottle of water and, yeah, 10 hours go by. And I'm like, oh, I haven't peed or eaten or done anything else. Like, and, and, you know, that sort of behavior, okay, yeah. we need to eat, which I forget about. Yeah. But it, that ability to hyper-focus at such a level is an advantage, yes. not a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids being able to multitask is an advantage. But, of course, it does mean that there are disadvantages yeah. when compared to, the, to, to a normal, you know, the normal average person. So yeah. neurodiversity is the idea that the strengths and weaknesses we have are useful for society and are... Um, good things for society and society needs to stop accepting only one viewpoint as being normal Mm -hmm. that being the neurotypical response and and in small ways social cues as being obviously the one that I struggle with the most Um, you shouldn't just expect that everybody understands your facial expressions or your body expressions yeah It seems like that's that's my neurodiverse flag. Yeah, no, it, it's such a. I, I only became familiar with the the word neurodiversity, you know, just over a year ago, and I'd never heard of this concept. And I heard of autism, and I started researching that, and then started neurodiversity. And it's like it's. I do um, anyway. Yeah, I just. I think it's important. I think I think it's important as a movement and it's important as a philosophy and as a as a way of, of teaching people that yes, everybody's not the same. Um, even at my work I have there's a there's a, a young person there who's I'm gonna say maybe twenty. Um, I don't know for sure, but I'm willing to bet she's on the spectrum and uh, mm-hmm. in a more obvious way than I might be. And there was a, a moment last year where somebody, um, another staff member, was was making fun of her. Not to her, but to someone else. And and I just thought to myself that, you know, I, I, I said, hey, you know, that's not cool. Um, and they were saying something along the lines of, oh, my God, like, she's so autistic. But like, kind of in a negative in a negative way, like just how she's so annoying. Say, she said that word. She goes, she's so annoying. She's so autistic. And I stopped her and said, um, I'm autistic. <laughs> you know, like just so you're aware. And and 
that's not really cool and yeah she's having some challenges this person at work but like can we can we try to you know have a little compassion there and, and help her out you know it's it's um anyway so and in, in, in kind of learning about that concept and 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 what it means and just this i think you know it is getting better people are getting better the words getting out and 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 like you said in in the schools you're seeing it people are more accepting of everything from autism to gayness to trans to whatever um so that makes me hopeful <laughs> yeah but it's still i mean this is one of the things this is the advocacy work right it's like we do have to stand up when those things happen and i'm sure the, the person who said that probably the staff member was not you know probably not a bad person no not at all she's great yeah and it's like you know there's just some education there's just some general education or some firmer education if necessary yeah that um you may find certain behaviors of this person difficult but it's also she's gonna find your behaviors way more difficult (laughs) yeah yeah She's she's going to be finding everyone, yeah, everybody really confusing, and and she's just trying to navigate the situation, and, and is definitely struggling with it. Um. Well, is there anything? Uh, we're we're coming down to the last couple of minutes here, but um. On that topic, like, can you tell me? You've already touched on some of this, but for your own self, your own life, your own autism, like what are maybe a couple of negatives or, or challenges and then a couple of things you find really positive about it? Negatives. Um, I am aware of some social deficiencies mm-hmm. and that makes me feel awkward when I'm in a social situation with my wife because I'm always I'm worried that I'm going to not not upset her I upset her in a regular <laughs> husband wifely way um, that, that people may get upset by my behavior and would make her feel uncomfortable so that's that's definitely yeah um that's definitely a negative I, I, I feel. I can um, there is also an awareness that there are a number of professional musicians in this city and probably in every city I've ever worked in that won't work with me because they find my behaviors weird. Mm. Um, and that's disappointing and that's that's actually their problem not mine yeah. it's a negative thing because it may have meant loss of work yeah um the positive things actually and honestly i'm a poster boy of autism being a good thing yeah is that basically everything good in my life is because i'm autistic wow you know, i i'm a I'm a really, really good musician. Really, yeah. really good. Really, really good musician. And it's because that I have been able to use those strengths that I have as an autistic person to maximize um, what I do Yeah. as a career. Um, I 
but also being able to being autistic and not in comfortable social situations have meant that I've had I've got really close friends. Mm-hmm. I have a very small circle of very close friends, and that's been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a good teacher because I can relate to kids with differences. I'm a good parent because I can relate to. The, to the challenges that my kids are going through. Yeah. There's a whole bunch. I could be here for an hour saying yeah. all the good things. Yeah. Um, but I also will say that it's, you know, it's my. It's been a life work to get to this point. Yeah. Wow. I think that's a perfect place to end it. I mean, that was awesome. Maybe we'll do an. <laughs> maybe if you're open to it, we'll do another hour one day where you can just talk for an hour about all the good things. <laughs> sure. Right on. Right on. Thanks, cool. Bruce. I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been really cool for me, and, and I, I hope for everyone that hears it. Thank you. Right on. All right. Okay. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Hey everybody, um, thanks again for listening. This is Ryan. I just want to send a big thank you to Bruce. Um, I very much appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation and you gave me lots to think about and um, I'm sure everyone listening is very much um, appreciative of um, everything you shared, your experiences and your opinions. And uh, one thing really stuck out to me towards the end there He said, everything good in my life is because I'm autistic. And um, that's just really uh, echoing around in my brain right now. And I feel like it's it's, uh, something I'm going to think about for a while because I I feel very similar. uh, But I hadn't articulated it like that. But uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of the best things I've done in my life would not have happened if I wasn't autistic and didn't have this... uh, sort of strange brain that thinks and does strange things but um, anyway uh, thanks again for taking the time Um, and everyone listening thank you and once again uh, the podcast has a new name now it's the life autistic you can find us on instagram twitter facebook the life autistic please reach out please share the podcast and if you have any questions or topics you want me to cover or if you're interested in, in being on the podcast then just reach out to me through any of those uh, social channels and we will um, talk then. So um, once again, thanks everybody. Um, And we will talk soon. I very much appreciate you listening and we'll see you next week. Peace, love, autism.